0: Our Old Testament reading this morning is from the book of the prophet Isaiah in the uh, 40th chapter, beginning at verse 21 and continuing through verse 31. I would invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and it, its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He brings the princes to nothing. He makes the judges of the earth useless. Scarcely shall I be planted, scarcely shall they be sown. Scarcely shall their stock take root in the earth when he will also blow on them and they will wither and the whirlwind will take them away like stubble. To whom then will you liken me or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things, who brings out their host by number. He calls them all by name, by the greatness of his might. And the strength of his power, not one, is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. Well, this morning's New Testament reading comes to us from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians in the ninth chapter, beginning at verse 16 and continuing through verse 23. I would invite you once again to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. If I proclaim the gospel, this gives me no ground for boasting, for an obligation is laid upon me. And woe to me if I do not proclaim the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am entrusted with a commission. What then is my reward? Just this, that in my proclamation I may make the gospel free of charge. So as not to make full use of my rights in the gospel. For though I am free with respect to all, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though I myself am not under the law so that I might win those who are under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, so that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that I might by all means save some, I do it all for the sake of the gospel, so that I may share in its blessing. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. This first Sunday in February is the day when traditionally each year we include in our worship a service of installation. The officers in our church, our deacons and our elders, they all serve three-year terms. And each year, you, the members of the congregation, elect members to serve on these two boards of the church, as you did at the annual congregational meeting last month. Now, this is nothing new. Y'all have been at this Longer than I've been here, and probably you all have been at this since before anyone still living can recall. Well, this year, in a first during my eight and a half years here, there's been a request come my way for some instruction, some training, as it were, for the benefit of those who have been elected to serve in these important positions. Of leadership. Now, everyone who was this year nominated for and elected to either the board of elders or deacons has previously been ordained in and by our denomination. Well, that isn't all that unusual, but what is noteworthy is that not one but multiple officers or officers elect have independently reached out to me for some directing, guiding, and equipping of the saints to fulfill their solemn yet joyful responsibilities. And while I am working on some of the specifics as it relates to these positions, I have been giving quite a bit of thought to the overarching theme of leadership within the church. And when I say the church, I don't just mean this church here at Rehoboth, nor even do I mean the church represented by our particular strand of Protestantism. Here I mean the universal church that we refer to as we recite the Apostles' Creed, the one holy, Catholic small c, apostolic church. The church that was gifted to us down through the ages by the likes of Peter and of Paul, by the Disciples, the apostles, by the martyrs and the saints, big and small alike. And it is to Paul that we again here return as we read this morning some of what he's written to his brothers and sisters in Christ at Corinth. Here in the ninth chapter, he is explaining some of his understanding of the calling that's been placed upon him to witness, to witness to the world as an ambassador of Jesus the Christ. He knows that he has been called, quite literally he was called, to spread the good news of God in Christ. But he also knows that it isn't just Paul, but it is the responsibility of all those who would call themselves servants of the Lord to be engaged in this activity. And that's what I want to focus on this morning. That is Paul's notion of doing what it takes for us to get the message out. As was true for Paul, so it is true for us. We all have one job as Christians. Spoiler alert, it isn't to obtain salvation. God alone has the power to save, and we cannot force God's hand. One of the most imposing structures I remember encountering on the campus of Biola University in Pasadena, California, is a multi-story parking deck. It stands out because it's probably the most unattractive building on all of campus, but one of the most highly prized uh, in that part of town. It's a bulky, block, bland structure. But on the side of it, in very... Large lettering is this similarly stark reminder Jesus saves. Period. Full stop. As individuals who have been redeemed through the power of Jesus, we are to respond. To the saving knowledge, you who are officers and officers elect here at Rehoboth have been endowed with unique spiritual gifts to carry out the specific offices to which you've been called. And the same is true for every believer in the name of Jesus, whether individually or as part of a board or committee or other organizational body of the church. We have special talents for particular missions and ministries that we are invited to make full use of for the glory of God. Whatever those specific tasks may be, they are and ever shall be subservient to that one job that every Christian is called to, making Christ known. I've seen, and maybe you have too, some images of public works projects gone wrong Highway markings that were not painted quite straight. Signs that have been misspelled or hung incorrectly. My daughter pointed one out the other day as we were coming across the bridge. There's a sign for public golf, which is simply a blue sign with a silhouette of a golfer in white on it. Only, it's upside down now. Hmm? There's pictures of culverts that don't meet in the middle. The folks started digging from each end and didn't wind up in the same spot. And some of these examples, are, they're humorous, especially when they're in, accompanied by the caption, you had one job, you had one job. Less funny though, is the picture that emerges when Christians don't take seriously their work for the kingdom. Our one job then, officers and officers elect, former officers and all members of the body of Christ, our one job is to make known the one with the power to create and to sustain and to redeem, to save all of creation. This God who is busily at work in the pages of the book of the prophet Isaiah is the very same God who is at work in and through Jesus, the Messiah. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth the plaintive cry goes out. And the answer seemingly to that question is, well, apparently not. In the beautiful prose of the 19th Psalm, the author reminds us that the evidence is all around us if we will just open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts. All of creation, all of creation, we are told, testifies to the truth of God's goodness, his majesty, and his power. It's all right there, hiding in plain sight. And yet we remain blind even to this day, which is why we need folks. We need folks like Isaiah and Paul, and yes, you and me too, to awaken our senses and those of those around us to become aware and passionately committed to what has been referred to as the defiant proclamation of the obvious. The author of the article that I referenced from this pulpit last week, the one in the Guardian newspaper that profiled some atheists and agnostics from diverse cultures, he referenced a survey from 2018 And according to that survey, whatever it was, 52% of those who were queried in England admitted to having no faith. Now, I presume that what the author meant was that over half the respondents didn't identify with any particular faith tradition. But perhaps that is synonymous with saying they have no faith. In any event, the proportion of those who don't claim a religious affiliation has been growing in the UK and, in fact, in most of the Western world. This is a trend that is not new. It was observed and commented upon by others in previous generations. Leslie Newvegan, the Church of Scotland missionary, upon returning from his three decades of service in India and elsewhere beginning after the Second World War, noted in a book published in 1988, that upon coming back to his native soil, he hardly recognized the faith landscape of his homeland. It had become in the years while he was away as much of a mission field as that which he had experienced in South Asia. So, Newbigin invites his readers to consider themselves called, equipped, and sent missionaries right where we find ourselves planted. And that, my brothers and sisters in Christ, is a calling worth recalling. We received this week, and you heard it in our moment for mission, this update from Dig Deep, and the work that they have been engaged in among Native American communities in the Southwest and in Appalachia, too, providing basic services to some of the least of these in our own country. And that's wonderful work that we are privileged and blessed to be a part of and a partner with. But you and I are not living in Arizona or New Mexico or Utah or Appalachia. Yet we are called to do missionary work just the same, right here in our own counties, in our own communities, in our own families. How we go about that work of sharing the truth about the truth and the way and the life may change based on the context, but the nature of that work remains constant and it depends not on our status or standing on an ecclesiastical organizational chart. In a lecture that he gave many years back to an audience in Michigan, New Begin reminded his listeners that Jesus entrusted to his community the responsibility of interpreting all that concerned himself and promised that as his community went out in all the nations with their varying languages and cultures, that they would be led into the fullness of truth. And that is precisely, I think, what Paul is getting at when he writes of becoming all things to all people by or through all means. While the message must remain unchanged. We must be ready, willing, and able to adapt our presentation of that message, depending on circumstances and audience. The present pandemic is serving as a fresh reminder of the necessity of the church to bring the light of Jesus to the world in ways that may be new and that may challenge our comfort. They may challenge our traditions, that might challenge our abilities. All of these challenges, though, may, will, and have led us already into growth as a people of God. So I leave you this morning with a few last words from Leslie Newbegin that remind us all once again of that one job, above all jobs, that we have been privileged to have been made to carry out. When the church affirms the gospel as public truth, it is challenging the whole of society to wake out of the nightmare of subjectivism and relativism, to escape from the captivity of the self turned in upon itself, and to accept the calling which is addressed to every human Being To seek, to acknowledge, and to proclaim the truth. For we are that part of God's creation which he has equipped with the power to know the truth and to speak the praise of the whole creation in response to the truthfulness of the creator. And for that, we can truly say, thanks be to God.